So today I want to share something with you, a message. It's just a standalone message. We normally do series, but we've got some special things lined up for uh, December. We'll do two standalone messages the next two weeks. The third week, we're going to do Vision 2017, which you don't want to miss that. We're going to really tell you everything that happened in 2016, everything that's happened in 2017. And then on Christmas Day, Pastor Jordan shared uh, a bunch of great stuff about that. By the way, I just love to be able to submit to my son in his leadership uh, especially in worship and now in many other ways. It's just a wonderful thing to do that. <clears throat> Some of you might not know, but he's been on the platform since he was seven years old and now he's 32. Come on, he's a grown man uh, in ministry and doing a great job and I just honor him today. So I just wanna share with you about faith today uh, and uh, about simplifying faith. How many of you know that we are just really, really strange people and we just love to magnify things and make things very, very complicated? And when it comes to faith, we make faith very, very complicated. And I don't believe God ever intended for us to get in that way. You know, uh, we receive prayer requests every week from you. You fill out prayer requests on the bottom of the Connect card. You turn them in. I get them on my, on my computer every Tuesday morning by noon. We pray over them. Then it goes to the prayer team. They pray over these needs. And I've read them for many years now. And a lot of times I see that there, there's an element of faith because you're writing a prayer request down. But then within the prayer request, I realize that there's probably a little misunderstanding, a little miscommunication. For instance, and saying things like, I want you to pray that I would serve God. There's a little bit disconnect there. And, and let's not being critical about you. That's not at all. But it's just say, you know, I want to help your faith this morning. There's, there's a little disconnect there. Or, you know, I, I want to I pray for this. I want to pray for that. And sometimes there's, there's, there seems to not be an understanding of grasping things by faith. And we want to help you see that. I, I don't believe faith is a mystical thing, but it is a supernatural thing. It is something that takes us past just the normal conversations we have every day. And I, I just want to help you with that today. I, I want to let you know that there has to be a connection between you and your God more than just you and what you need. And so, so what is faith? Well, Jesus really, really taught us what faith is. In the book of Mark chapter, in the gospel, Jesus said these words. He says, have faith in God. Let's say that together. Have faith in God. One more time. Have faith in God. That's just a powerful four words that your faith is in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. God the Father through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's where our faith resonates. That's where it's resident. And so many times we, 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 we get a misunderstanding of what faith is. Faith is reliance. Complete. Now look, we're Americans. We don't understand this. Complete absolute reliance and trust in someone, not something. There's only one someone. His name is Jesus. We just, we just, man, was that powerful? Just worshiping the King. You know why it's so powerful? Because he is so powerful, man. I get up in there and I just start shouting out, God, you are awesome. You are, you, you today, God, you are absolutely just Whatever you judge, you judge perfectly. Not gonna be any questions. The jury's not gonna be out. When God judges, it's perfect. Our faith is in, is in the Lord. Absolute trust and complete reliance upon someone is faith. And then faith is believing that God is. 
And you say, well, we're in a church. Surely everybody believes in God. There's a lot of people who believe there is a God, but don't believe in God. In the book of, uh, of, of Hebrews chapter 11, it says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, that he truly does exist, and that he is a reward of those who diligently seek him. Believing that he truly is. I mean, not that he was or that he might have been or that it's historical, but that he is right now alive and real. And I put my full trust in him. And I seek him. Notice it says that diligently seek him. Diligently seeking the Lord. It's just so wonderful that we're diligently seeking. So there is a believing in God. And then there is a believing in what he says because faith is believing what God said. Because if I believe who God is, I want to believe what he said. And when I read my Bible in the morning, I may not understand everything, but I believe everything. You see, some people are trying to base their belief upon what they understand. And if you don't understand it, you don't believe it. But we've been reading like today in Hosea, when God told Hosea the prophet, I want you to go marry a prostitute and have a baby with her. I don't understand that. But I believe that because of the outcome of what God did because of what he said. And so what does God say? We believe what God says above what we even understand. And then we have to believe or we have to act on what he says. And that's where a lot of us, you know, we believe in God, we believe what he says, but when it comes to action, it's like, what is that all about? Really, action? But there's action that takes place. The book of James so develops this so wonderfully when he says, you can show me your faith by a lot of things, but I'm gonna show you my faith by what I do. So what we do dictates to us as individuals what degree of faith we have. If we're shaking and rattling and rolling all over the place with all kinds of circumstances, maybe our faith is not in God, but our faith is in something else. And by the way, let me just say this, that there's no concept in the word of God when it comes to blind faith. I say, I'm just gonna go blindly in, no, no, God doesn't want you to go blindly into anything. Faith, faith is substance. Faith has evidence, faith is alive, and faith is based upon our God and what he says. And if we'll do what he says, faith will ignite and great things will take place. So Abraham, Abraham is an Old Testament saint. Most of you know about him, but God chose him out of just like, like, you know, like you, I'll take you, come here. I want to make you a father of many nations. He didn't have any kids. You know, he had a wife named uh, Sarai. And so he left his home and a lot of big traveling going on. You can read that in the book of Genesis. But then it came to a place where God took Abraham one night out of a tent. And he said, I want you to look up at the sky, the stars, and as many stars as you see up there, that's how many your descendants are going to be. And that sounds real good except you don't have any kids. And so Abraham goes to God, he says, how's this gonna happen, God? I don't even have kids. I've got this servant in my house and and if I die, he's gonna get everything I got. And God said, don't worry about that. You're not gonna give it to your servant. You will get a son. And so he says, well, I'm gonna get a son. Hmm, We're old, I don't know what to do, what we're gonna do. And so him and his wife, Sarai, they come up with an idea. Said, hey, you know what? I got this servant here. She's a young woman. I can't have any kids. She can. So Abraham had a baby with her. It sounded good. The only problem is that he missed God. 
He missed God with Ishmael because he relied upon reason rather than faith. And, and look, I'm going to tell you right now, can I get real with you? We've all done that. We've all relied upon reason rather than faith. And we've gone out and done a lot of things in relationships, in finances, in decisions about jobs and where we live and what we do. And because we've just transgressed faith and went over into the reasoning thing because it just seems like the reasonable thing to do. Problem is that faith is not always the reasonable thing to do. Marry a prostitute, that ain't reasonable. Come on now. Aren't you glad that God didn't tell you that? You know what I'm saying? And so Abraham, they, they miss God, but you know what? We miss God. We miss God, but he continued in faith. Abraham continued until God finally came again and said, you know what? Hey, you're going to have a child. You and, you and Sarah are going to have a baby. Don't you worry, Abraham. You and Sarah, you're going to have a baby. You're going to have a baby. You're going to have a baby. And he says, <laughs> I'm an old dude. Not only that, my wife, she's old. She's all shriveled up. We just two old prunes. We, how's that going to be? But the Bible says he believed God. You will enter the arena of faith when you start believing God for things that are absolutely impossible. And until you enter into the realm of the absolute impossible, you're not in the realm of faith, okay? And so here, this is what happened. Romans uh, chapter four really tells us about the story of Abraham. And he says this, says, even when there was no reason for hope, no reason, Abraham kept hoping. He was believing that he would become the father of many nations for God had said to him that that's how many descendants you have. Those, those stars, Abraham. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was good as dead and so was Sarah's womb. I mean, they were old, dude. But you know what? They pressed in. They had active faith. Now, I'm gonna leave that to your imagination. Okay, enough of that. <laughs> so where does faith come from? Where, where does this wonderful commodity that connects us, where does it come from? Well, I'll tell you where it comes from. Romans 10, and the Bible tells us very plainly that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So that's where faith originates. That's where faith grows. It comes from the word of God because in the word of God, there are two things. There are principles Principles are God's character, who he is, how he thinks, how he acts. And by the way, sometimes he acts different than we act. We act certain ways. We've got certain things. And we try to pull God into how we respond. And then somehow or another make it work, and it doesn't work. So he's got this character. He's got these principles that he lived by. But he also, in the word, has promises. Promises of what he said he will do. What he says will happen when we obey him and submit to him. Principles and promises. But guess what? When principles are violated, folks, listen to me. When principles are violated, it's very, very difficult for you to believe in faith for the impossible from your God. I'll go as far to say this, if you violate his principles continually, your faith will be weak and small and you'll never receive what God really, really has for your life. So desperately important that we do that. And then within this, can I just talk about the elephant in the room? And that is the elephant of unbelief because every one of us in this room have had to deal with unbelief. 
We've had to, we've, it shadows us. It's part of us. Like it's like, it comes naturally that we have trouble believing something we cannot see. It's, it's, it's easy for you to tell me something I can see and I can attain. Oh, I'm excited about that. But man, when there's a brick wall in front of me, unbelief takes occasion there and causes me to question God. A sense of unworthiness causes you to question your faith. Faith cannot arise if I feel unworthy. If I'm all down and out and don't believe God is for me and I'm no good, I'm not going to believe anything in faith. I'm just going to shudder around in life and just get through trying to make things happen and then calling it God. This unworthiness and then ignorance, lack of knowledge of Jesus causes us not to have faith. And you know what the sad thing is? There are a lot of men who are happy with that. It's like things are going okay. I don't need that. It's okay. It's okay. I mean, we we got enough money. The bills are paid. I got a truck. I'm okay. I'm all right. I killed a deer, caught a fish, hit a ball, and had a ball. And things are good. It's good. Then there's biblical malnutrition. These are things that that fuel unbelief. Biblical malnutrition simply is this, ignorance of the word of God. In other words, I'm not going to take it, I'm not going to do it. We're going to help you in 2017 get the word of God in you. I mean, we are going to get you with some word up in you and you're going to be a better person for it, all right? We're going to help you because watch this, you know, listen. Listen, ignorance is not, I put it down, ignorance is not a fault. It's not a fault to be ignorant, but it is absolutely a fault to stay ignorant. In the day in which we live to be ignorant about the things of God, you've got to really try hard to dodge it. And so the, the, this thing, another thing is a need to see in order to believe. Let me tell you something. Let's start believing something we cannot see. Let's start believing for something that is impossible for us. It is really that way. You know, it is. It's time to start believing without seeing. So how does faith operate? Well, first of all, we said that faith, you hear a word from God. It, the word initiates faith. It's so very important. I want to just take time to tell you two stories right now about faith and how it works and how sometimes we're not sure how it works, but we've got two different camp, three campuses, one here, one in Wiggins and one in, in Long Beach. When it came time for us to start talking about possibly planting a campus in Wiggins, we didn't know anything about any campuses or what do you do? We just had a group of people that were driving 35, 40, 45 minutes to come to church. And we thought, hey, we've got small groups up there. Let's do it. So, but, but then what do you do? Hey, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Let's do, but, but how do you do it? No, we don't know how to do it. And so, so we, we pray about it. We prayed, we prayed, we prayed. We even made plans with certain persons to do certain things. It fell through and it's like, well, I don't know how to do this thing. And one day Jan and I were in, were in current optical. We're getting our eyeglasses adjusted. Now, again, we're, 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 we're believing God, but what? And so we hear a man speaking on the side of us. He works for Mississippi Power Company and he made this statement. He said, man, things are really rocking and rolling in Wiggins meaning that it was starting to grow. Things were starting to happen. And right then the Holy Spirit said to me, he said, go to Wiggins now. And I remember I turned to Jan that day. I said, tomorrow we're going to Wiggins. We're looking for a building. I didn't know anything about that. Well, we, how, how are we going to do it? I don't know, but I know that in my heart, that word initiated, that word initiated faith in me. 
And so we drove to Wiggins the next day and we started looking at buildings. We looked, we looked, we looked, we looked. There wasn't a building around in Wiggins, I'm telling you, nowhere to go. And we're leaving town and I'm thinking, I can't hear God. I don't know nothing. Who am I? I need to resign. I, I, you know, what kind of faith is this? And as we're driving out of Wiggins, the very last building on the right-hand side of the highway, we looked and it was empty. Had a big building in the back, had some offices in the front. We wheeled in there, no for rent sign, no for sale sign, no nothing. But there was a small piece of paper, about an inch square in the window, taped with a, with a faded phone number there, barely could see it. Man, I got out my phone, you know, I called, and I called the guy, he answered the phone and said, hey, you know anything about this building in Wiggins? He said, I own that building. I said, would you like to rent that building? He said, yeah, yeah well, I said, I'm thinking about tearing it down. I said, well, are you interested in renting or leasing that building? He said, I'll be there in 20 minutes. He drove down. We met him that day. We said, we'll take it. I walked inside, looked at it. Horrible. <laughs> Some of you were there. You worked it. <laughs> and, but, but we saw that and we said, let's do it. Faith was initiated in us. And then we just came back and said, we, we did. We're doing it. We're out there. There's no, what are we going to step on out there? But you know what? When we made our first step of faith, God began to do this and do this and do this. And I can tell you, I don't have time to tell you the whole story about that, but it's just supernatural the way we got the land up on the mountain there. And now we've got the campus there. It was just wonderful. And out of all of that, there was a little bonus. We got Gracie, our cat. A little bitty tiny kitten starving to death in the back of the Wiggins campus. We took him home now. You know what? She sleeps in my bed a lot of times. She's probably on my bed right now. Hearing the word initiates faith. The next thing to speaking the word activates faith. With the Long Beach campus, Jan and I, we were in, a, in Florida. Uh, I, was, I spoke to a church men's group. God set it up supernaturally. It was just so wonderful. He does divine appointments. I'm there. I don't travel a lot to speak at uh, this time. And so, you know, I'm there, I speak. And, and while we're having dinner with the men's pastor of this large church in, in, in about 5,000 members, He's telling me stories about how churches in their city are giving them their property, their buildings, and their money and saying, we're failing, we're dying. God's doing something in your church. Okay, you want to take this? Here's our building and 10 acres of land and $500,000, huh? So he said, we took it. We started a campus. He said, a little while later, another church comes in. We think God's doing something great. We're dying. Here's our buildings. Take it. They started another campus. We had been praying for a campus west of here for years. Some of you remember in the prayer meeting, come on up front if you want to start again. Laying hand, believing God, trying to go, so what to do? You can't do this. On the way back home, I told Jan, I said, something began to rise up in me. Something has got to rise up in you. I'm going to tell you, you can feel faith, right? I said, if God did it for them, he will do it for us. I'm telling you, if he did it for them, he'll do it for us. There was this initiation of faith. There was this activation going on. And so, you know, what happened? I'm going to tell you how we started the Long Beach campus. That was a weekend and that Tuesday, Tuesday was our staff meeting. And so, you know, we talk about faith initiates, it's activated. And let me just tell you how it's demonstrated. I walked into the staff meeting and I said, we're starting a campus. Micah, you're gonna be the campus pastor. Jordan, I want you to take care of, get some music going there some other way. Casey, get the teams rolling, we're starting a campus. And they all went, yes. And that's all I had. 
We had traveled there, Jan and I had combed that whole area west here, couldn't find a building, couldn't find nothing, nothing. I was a Tuesday, that Friday afternoon, I'm on my patio, I'm just sitting there, just sitting there, the phone rings. It's a pastor I knew from years ago who started a church in Long Beach. He called me up, he said, did you know that the pastor who is there now is leaving? I said, I didn't know that. I, know, I knew the guy personally. As a matter of fact, I'm the one who recommended him to that position in that church. And the reason we never would plant there because I was not gonna plant a church on top of my friend. He said, he's giving the church up. He told his church he's leaving. He said, you, you're gonna call him? I said, I'm not calling him. He said, you mind if I call him? I said, oh, yeah. So he called him. Man, about five minutes later, my phone rang. It was the pastor of the church in Long Beach. He called me up. He said, hey, man. I said, hey, bro. He said, uh, I'm leaving. You think you might be interested? I said, I'm interested. That's Friday of the Tuesday of the, of the Sunday. You understand? Of the Saturday. Saturday, Tuesday. We're in Friday. I said, let's meet Monday for lunch. I go pick him up. Before we get to the restaurant, we've got two buildings, 10 acres of land in the, in the middle of Long Beach for $186,000. Come on. That's just like being free. And then out of that, history is made and we've got campus. I'm telling you what, the word of God. And, and say, well, what, what do you get out of this? This is what you get out of it. I want you to hang around people who have faith. You have to hang around people who will ignite your faith. We call it prophetic. Really, it's the prophetic word. As a matter of fact, can I give you a tail end of this story? Jan and I went to Nepal last October, not this like uh, 2015. I'm sitting across the table from Scott Bledsoe. He pastors Household of Faith in Gonzales, the church that we came out of. And, and uh, we're, we're, we're sharing. And I'm sharing him this story about our campus. And, and so he said, man, that's cool. So we get back from Nepal and we're in Huntsville and we're doing something there. And he calls me up. He said, hey, you know, guess what? He said, a church in our area. <laughs> they want to give us their building. And, and they've got a graveyard next door. And in the fund for the graveyard, they've got $900,000. And he said, I'm getting ready to go meet with them. And I just had to talk to you. I want you to help me. Give me some. And so we talked for, and we worked all that thing out. And now just, just to let you know now, they've, they're remodeling the buildings right now. They got it. Not only that, my nephew is going to be associate pastor of that campus. It's just amazing what's going on. God connects everything together. So we got this thing of activation of faith and, and, and initiation, and then we have activation, and then we have demonstration. But you're going to have to step out when there, when there doesn't seem to be something to step out. So now let me help you there. What, what about this? What about when things are not working? Where's our faith at when things are not working? Look, some of you, I know you personally, and others of you, I could probably just throw a rock in the crowd and find you in a trial or find you where things are not working right. Let me tell you something. Read your Bible and see how things work right. You know what I'm preparing for? I'm preparing to be old. And I'm preparing to die even right now. And I'll tell you why. Because we make a big deal out of getting old. And we think that getting old is like getting young. Do you hear what I said? If you think you're going to skid on out of here on a surfboard or skate roller skating or whatever. No, you're probably going to end up just tired and old and put your feet up in the bed and die because that's how all the saints of God went. I love it when God says, Noah, my servant is dead. Now, Joshua, we got some work to do. Let's go. He didn't reminisce about Noah for a hundred years, about how great he was. Did you remember he did this, the Red Sea thing, man? He was cool. And he went down there, the blood and the frogs and all that. No, he said, he's dead. Joshua, we got some work to do. Let's move on. So what happens when things don't work out right? 
Because there's been many times where it hasn't worked out. Well, you've asked God where you've extended faith and it hasn't worked out. And I'm gonna give you reasons why that happens. Number one, sometimes it's just not the will of God for your life to do that. You're just praying about things that ain't even God's will. You pray about things, you do things that please him. Then you get the favor of God. But if you're just out there just pointing fingers, I don't do that, I don't do that. Maybe, you know, God might not want you to go to Alaska and live in a tree or something like that. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's a good idea for you till you get there. But then that's not, maybe not, it's not in God's timing for what you're asking for. Maybe it's not in God's timing, you know. And by the way, you're going to struggle in decisions. Faith does not take away the struggle of decisions. Man, what do we, we just got, we think we're supersonic things that just, you know, faith. Look, sometimes you're going to struggle to make decisions. You're not going to know what to do. You're going to flounder around wondering and you're going to believe God. But sometimes it's not in God's timing. Sometimes God just says, no. We want to birth the campus, birth the campus, birth the campus. And you know, God was saying, no, 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 it's not right. No, 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 it's not in my timing, not in my timing, not in my timing. Go now. And then sometimes it's others are involved who are not moving in the same direction as you. And this happens with families. This happens in marriages where the husband wants to go with God and the wife doesn't or vice versa. And you've got this thing you're working with and it doesn't seem to be working and you don't seem to get an answer and you don't seem to get a breakthrough. You read the book of Hebrews chapter 11, you find out the first half is all about, woohoo, Abraham did this, Noah built a boat. They did this, they, they subdued kingdoms. They, they, they closed the mouths of lions by faith. And then others. Sometimes you find yourself in the others. They were cut in two put through with a sword, lived in caves and sheepskin and goatskin. And, and then God says, you know what? But the world wasn't even worthy of them. So listen to me. I don't know where you are in your faith walk, but if your faith is not in God, you're probably going to waver in that. My faith is in the God who loves me and cares for me. I just wrote that down. My peace comes from the fact that God is for me and not against me. I know he loves me because while I was a sinner, he died for me. How much more shall he love me and care for me now that I'm his child? But that doesn't guarantee that my life is going to be without trouble and tension. Faith does not remove trouble and tension. Faith causes you to be victorious in trouble and in tension. You got to get this, folks. You got to get this, especially if you've been in a trial for a long time. You know, God is the God of the mountaintop. Yes, he is. But he's also the God of the valley and everywhere in between. And for how long it is, you got to understand that. So when things don't work out, it's a good time for faith. When things you don't understand are happening, it's a good time for faith. Because God remains faithful. You see, The world situation is up and down and all around. Folks, let me tell you something. Can I just pastor you about the world situation? The world has always been bad all the time. It's wicked. It's full of wicked people. It's ruled by the the God of this world, Satan. It's always bad. So if your faith is in the political process, you're in trouble. If your faith is in the, the, the industry or the economy, you're in trouble. If your faith is in people, you're in trouble because everything I'm saying is up and down. It's just that way. But our God is the same yesterday and he is the same today and he is the same forever. He is the only constant in existence. The only constant in existence. So 
let's just give you a few carryouts here. You know, sometimes we, we eat food in a restaurant and sometimes we carry it out and bring it home, huh? So let, let's just give, let me give you some carryouts. You ready? About faith. Number one, I want you to begin to position yourself to hear from God. Position yourself to hear from the only one who is really able to give you the word that will build the faith in you that will get you through your trouble or over the mountain or into that new place in your life. Position yourself before God. And you say, how do, how do I do that? How do I? Well, I think, you, you know, you really should um, meditate on the word of God. You need to learn to meditate on the word of God. You need to learn to confess the word of God. In worship time like this, as corporate man, my faith is high. You need to start confessing and proclaiming the word of the song. It ain't just a song. You understand? Wow. It is the proclamation of a heart of faith. It is saying, God, you are, you did, you will. I tell you what, every song we sing is really a song of faith. And so you have to meditate on that and you have to humble yourself because you don't have it all right. And you don't know everything. I don't care if you've been saved 40 years. You don't know it all. You ain't got it all together. We all need help. We all have shortcomings. We all got a problem somewhere. If you hang around me long enough, you're going to say, man, he got a problem. You see, you only see us up here on Sunday. You say, man, it's so great. He's the greatest. He's great. He's Pastor Van, he's just like, whoa. Go talk to my wife. If you need help, it's okay that you need help. It's all right to need help. It's okay to need help. Get off of this, you know, shiny chrome Christianity and get into the real organic thing. Everything organic smells a little funky. <laughs> Isn't it though? You know what I mean? I like ribeye steak, but I, uh, you know, a cow form smells funky. You smell funky. I smell funky. If we're really organic and authentic, that's what we come up with. Number two, you ready? Get yourself a promise. Folks, listen to me. You got to get a promise on your own. You got it. Young people, listen to me. I am so excited to be in a generational church and be here long enough to see people who were once little kids in the nursery who are now married with their own kids still living in their faith. That somehow they, made, they crossed over. Come on now. They crossed over and they have their own faith that they're believing with. It's just tremendous that that's happening. So you have to get your own promise though. Man, you know, mom and daddy can just do something so long and then all of a sudden it's like, you got to get it yourself, man. You got to pay your own bills. You got to believe your own God for your own needs, for your own uh, uh, activation. And so get it from the word of God. If God has promised eternal life, then get it. We read it today in 1 John. He that has the son has eternal life. He that doesn't have the son does not have eternal life. So simple. Fifth chapter of 1 John, it's a faith chapter. You should go ahead and read it when you get home. You hold on to your promise. You don't let people, you don't let circumstances, and you don't let the devil derail you from your promise. I have a promise from God. I'm holding on to that promise. I don't even have to tell you about my promise. It's not a public promise. It's a private promise. It's my promise. Do you have a promise? Do you have a promise? If it's not coming to pass, check your motives. Check your motives. If there's not success, check your motives. Come on now. 
Because pride derails everything. And humility puts you on a hot rail of receiving a promise. And the third thing, and this seems so simple that I hesitate to say it in a church of strong believers, but you want to trust God. You're going to trust God in the good times and you're going to trust God in the bad times because the God of the good times is the same God of the bad times. And if you think you're going to go through life and never have a struggle and never have a testing, never have trouble, if you think that everything's all going to fall in place all the time and that it's never a, 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 an attack of the enemy or never unsurety or never trying to, you know, figure out how to stay close with God and, and maneuver things, you're just kidding yourself. Come on, let's get real. We have to trust God. If the government fails, trust God. If there's military problems, trust God. If the economy crashes or the economy soars, trust God. Psalm said it this way. Some people trust in chariots and some of them in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord, our God. Get his word. Get a promise. Trust your God. Amen. That's the way it works. Now, let me just talk to you for a minute in here because I know that faith is an active thing. It's a moving thing. And so some of you are struggling in that area. I'm going to pray for you in a minute. No, no, I'm going to pray with you for a minute. And, and we're just going to kind of start activating. But some of you got things in your heart that you just haven't done. Come on, make your step over. Quit fearing and start believing in faith. But then there's also some of you that you really are just dormant or the Bible says you're separated from God simply because you've never chosen to truly, truly follow Jesus, to truly surrender and commit to him. I know we talk about levels of commitment. I, I'm getting to the point where I realize that I think God is this way. Either you are committed or you are not committed. I'm starting to see that with our God, it's all or nothing. Man, either I'm, I'm a child of God or I'm an orphan. I mean, Jesus put it this way. Either I'm a child of God or I'm a child of the devil. Either I'm a child of light or I'm a child of darkness. And you know that right off. You know right now as I'm speaking, whether you're on the side of God because you've surrendered yourself fully to Jesus, or if you're just out here doing your own thing. This is life. He that has the son has life. He that has not the son of God has not life. Pretty simple, isn't it? You say, well, how simple it is to receive Jesus. This is how simple it is. The Holy Spirit is convicting. We've already prayed over you. We've already prayed over every chair in this place. You're sitting in a prayed up hot chair. That's already been done. The Holy Spirit's goal in, in, in everything he does is to draw people to Jesus. That's already been done. The cross has been done. God is drawing. That's been done. Now the ball is in your court really and truly. It's not a tennis ball. It is the ball of eternal life. What are you going to do with the Christ, the one who died for you? Apostle Paul put it so simple in the Bible. He said, turn from your sin, repent, turn from your sin, go after God and put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads together if you would. If you're in this place right now and, you, and you're just sitting there and you're saying, you know what? I, my relationship with God is nothing. I've let it fall apart or I never had it. Maybe you're like me, you just never had it. 
God wants to change that today, right now, this moment. If you'll just extend your faith in Christ and what he did for you, God will change things. So this is what I'm gonna ask you to do. I wanna pray with you, but I'm gonna believe right now that if your heart is open to the Lord, right where you are, I wanna pray with you. I just want you to lift your hand up and say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow Jesus. Just do that right now. Just lift your hand up and say, I'm gonna put my faith. There's a, a man right there. There's a, a, a woman back there. Come on, a man and a woman. Come on, another young man, another woman. Come on, you just put your hand up. There's another man back there. Come on, you're just saying right now, this is the time. Right now is my time. Right now. Another, yeah, thank you, sir. Right there, I saw your hand. Some of you just like in a valley of decision. You pull, you don't, you don't know what it what it means to serve God. You don't have to know. Just I will tell you this: it's better to serve him than not to serve him. Anybody else say, I'm gonna cross over the line right now. If you haven't raised your hand, shoot it up right now. Come on, don't be proud. Just shoot it up. Thank you. Yes, sir. Sometimes we men, we're so proud because we rely upon our strength so much. But yet everybody needs to humble themselves before God. Right now, right where you are, I'm gonna pray. If you'll just agree with me as I pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for touching me today. I thank you for drawing me to Jesus today. I thank you for forgiving me today. I turn from my sins and I turn to you, Father. Come on, just tell me, I'm turning to you. I'm just surrendering my life and putting my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and thanking you right now that you love me so much that you sent Jesus to die for my sins. And I commit myself fully to you right now. I thank you for that. I thank you for caring for me and loving me. I'm yours now, Lord Jesus, completely for the rest of eternity. I'm yours in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Come on. Isn't it great? If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. If you'll text the word SAVED to 51660, we want to send you a link to our website that'll explain a little more about the decision you just made and give you some steps to take so that you can grow in your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv give, or you can text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.